Today's reading comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you are taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us, and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Father, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When uh, Pastor Anderson asked me to, to preach today, lo, those many weeks ago, I was very excited to be able to proclaim the word of God to you this morning. And of course, he included the text that I would be preaching on today. Except when I first looked at it, uh, I thought it was from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I thought, oh, that's great. You know, I'll be able to, uh, to preach on pleasing God rather than pleasing men and, and preaching the truth of God's word and so on. Fantastic. A few days later, uh, I sat down and I noticed, oh, it's, it's 2 Thessalonians 2. And I thought, wait, that's not... And I opened it up and sure enough, Antichrist. <laughs> But nevertheless, as we dig into the Word of God, we know that there are always tremendous truths to be found. And of course, the ease at preaching on this was, uh, was, was made so much more simple when I found out that all of our uh, brothers in the ministry were going to be here today to hear as well. And I thought, that'll actually lighten the load a little bit because pastors know that there's one thing that's true when you preach on things relating to end times, and that's for every five commentaries you consult, you get six answers, Right. At any rate, let's take a look a little bit about the historical perspective that we have laid out for us, uh, particularly what Paul says in verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered uh, together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. You see, apparently, there were these false messages that were being circulated amongst the Christians at Thessalonica. They could have been uh, rumors, things that people maybe thought that the apostles had said or thought that the apostles had taught. Uh, they could have been people who were claiming to be prophets but in fact weren't. And Paul even hints here at the fact that maybe there were even forged letters that were being circulated there. 
And because we don't have any of those forged letters, we don't know for sure the thing that was being taught, but we can look at the text and we can see that clearly whatever it was had them shaken in mind or had them alarmed. And apparently they were very concerned about the question of the second coming of Christ, the second coming of the Savior. And again, what all of their concerns were, we don't know exactly, but we do know some things, and those are the things that I'm going to be speaking on this morning. First of all, as we said, the historical situation having been clearly laid out for us, as we go forward, Paul comforts the Christians with Antichrist, which seems strange to us. He says that the great day of the Lord is not going to come until the man of lawlessness is first revealed. And it's this message about the man of lawlessness that sometimes people look at that and they say, okay, this is, this is Antichrist. And we hear that word anti, and we sometimes think against, right? So we know about antifreeze. You put that in your engine so it doesn't seize up. Uh, we know about people who are antisocial, who do everything they can not to have to socialize. Antioxidants. I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> We do basically know what, what anti essentially means. In Greek, however, anti doesn't always work that way, but the, the Greek word anti can actually mean in the stead of or in place of. Now, we know that, brother pastors who are here theologically, for example, antinomians. It's not so much that the antinomians are against the law so much as that they wanted to replace it with the gospel and nothing but the gospel. Here then, when we look at Antichrist in that particular light, we find that this isn't so much somebody who is first and foremost against Christ, though he is that. But look at what we're told about him. We're told that he is a man of lawlessness. Man of lawlessness. This, of course, in compar comparison to the sinless Son of God. We're told that he's the Son of Destruction. This set over and against the Prince of Peace. We're told that he opposes God, that he exalts himself above God. This, of course, in distinction to the humble Son of God, who, though he existed in the form of God, didn't grasp after that. And we know that he calls himself God in distinction to the one who truly is God himself in human flesh. And so there's a substitution that's being presented to us here. The false Christ and the real Christ perhaps a false savior, and a real savior. And this, of course, is the thing that Paul's trying to get at. Because people have listened to false sources, rumors, false prophecies, maybe even forged letters, they've become shaken or alarmed in, in their minds. This isn't what the true teaching of Christianity does. So as Paul writes to them in order to give them the true teaching of Christianity to replace these things like these lying spirits and these rumors and these forged letters, he instead points them back to the apostolic word. Hold fast to that word, which you have received from me, whether by word of mouth or by letter, by epistle. And so instead of being then shaken in mind or alarmed, Paul seeks to bring them eternal comfort. Instead of the fear that seems to have engulfed them, Paul instead brings them good hope and comforted hearts, and he does it all by bringing them Jesus. You see, that's the point of true teaching, always to bring us the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his saving benefits and in all of his saving mercy. Uh, when I was a student here many, many years ago, 
Uh, one of the, the things that I got a privilege to do is to meet personally with one of uh, my professors and, and to ask questions and in, in turn have questions asked of me. And uh, one of the questions that my professor asked me was why it's so important to uh, believe truth. And I said, well, because that's what the Bible teaches and you don't want to deviate from what the Bible teaches, right? And I'll never forget, he leaned back in his chair and he said, well, Steve, if that's all you've got, then I suppose that's good. But remember that the point of good teaching, of true teaching, is to always bring us the Lord Jesus Christ. To always bring what Paul calls here eternal comfort, good hope, and comforted hearts. Because when we hear the true teaching, we hear about the true Jesus, and it's the true Jesus who gives us the true gospel, and that alone can bring us true salvation. When we hear false teachings, we become agitated, we become disturbed because they don't point us to Christ, but instead they point us away from Christ. So it's not as if we want to walk around and just be checking off boxes, making sure that everybody is correct, right? That's not the point of pure teaching or true teaching. The point of true teaching is to make sure we get the true Savior because it's he and he alone who brings us comfort, who brings us the true gospel, and therefore has made us safe and comforted in him. The one who lived the life that we could never live, the one who died to take upon himself the penalty that we could never pay, and the one who rose again from the dead to bring you into his kingdom and to keep you there. And it's in his truth that we all remain. In Jesus' name, amen.